Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello. Welcome to the Rangeley Capital Podcast. I'm Chris DeMuth, a PM at Rangeley, and with me as always is my co-host and colleague, Andrew Walker, also a PM at Rangeley. Today, we're going to confront two seriously first world problems, golf ball patents and video game cheating. Uh, both involve uh, uh, advantage and whether or not that advantage is part of the fun or illegitimate uh, and different sides seeing it very different ways. Uh, to start with, Costco uh, sells golf balls for a buck twenty-five each, which compares quite favorably with the best-selling four-dollar Titleist balls. How are these new balls? They're fine. People who uh, play with them say, you know, kind of, there, there's not that much objectivity in some of this testing, but uh, the reign of Titleist uh, is uh, possibly at the end. And uh, this is uh, kind of the subject that we wanted to start with. Uh, so, Andrew, I don't know if you're a golfer or not. We've never talked golf. but So what do you think of golf, golf balls, and whether or not this is an abuse of our patent system that Titleist is coming down hard on Costco? Yeah, so uh, I'm not really a golfer. I golfed a little when I was a kid. My dad's a huge golfer, but... Uh, you know, I'm glad we're talking about this now. In, our, in January, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that said, uh, I, I think the quote was like, the hottest golf ball on the market mm -hmm. is sold at Costco or something. And we almost talked about it then. Mm -hmm. But I, I just think we didn't have the time. So I'm glad we get to talk about it now. Uh, you know, you made a great point to me when we were talking about this yesterday. You said, you know, the, the thing with golf balls is if they're too good, they'll be banned. Because you can't put, you can't like strap, strap a rocket and have it like operate like a drone and just drive it into the hole. That's too good of a golf ball. So there is an upper limit to this technology. Uh, where is that line? But yeah, it, it's really interesting. You know, to me, uh, in some ways... Well, I'll, I'll kind of flip it back over to you, but I've got a lot of thoughts on it. You go sure. ahead. You know, just reacting to what you just said, uh, there are certain industries and situations where I am extremely concerned about IP as it relates to future innovation. I would put pharmaceuticals and medical first. I think that what could come in the decades ahead is so valuable that protecting that future innovation is an extremely real thing mm -hmm. uh, and allowing research pharma... But golf, I mean, it's it is not divergent; it's convergent. You have a little ball. There are rules. Uh, if if I tomorrow said I have a new golf ball with rockets and it gets a hole in one every time, that would have no market value. You wouldn't wouldn't be allowed to play with it. So the guy that shows up with a perfectly fine dollar twenty five ball has a real thing. But it, it is interesting though. You know, everyone's all. It's almost a tragedy of the commons type thing where everybody's looking for an edge. And if everybody plays with a dollar twenty five golf ball and there is a four dollar golf ball that. It, absolutely does give you a 1% edge and he's the only person using it, then everybody has to pay the $4, right? Yep. So it is a tragedy to say. But go ahead. Go and, ahead. You, and you actually still need to pay the $4 approximately because this buck 25 ball, now that it is on back order in the secondary market, is currently going for about three ninety two. So well, the prices kind of converge on the higher price. Let's keep the back order uh, for the end because I do sure. want to come back to that. But, you know, I, I want to talk about the first thing that this thing reminds me of is, look, Titleist, uh, Callaway, and a couple others, they came to become almost a oligopoly yep. in terms of golf balls, right? And why is that? Because golf balls required a combination of high R&D to get the proper golf ball, economies of scale. You know, if you're making one golf ball, it's going to cost you 
thousand or two thousand dollars. You have to Absolutely. make tons of golf balls to get these low, and then distribution because you have to have the golf balls in all the places. Plus, you know, a little economies of scale on the marketing side. But it tended to an oligopoly, mm-hmm. and in much the same way, you know, we've talked about Dollar Shave Club taking on kind of Gillette on this podcast. I don't think we've talked about it, but Warby Parker taking on the uh, taking on the eyeglass manufacturer. Exactly. You know, golf golf balls were very high margin things for consumers for uh, consumers. And here's Costco who comes around and says, hey, why are these so high margin? Like in the age of the internet, we can get distribution easily. We can outsource the manufacturing. We can kind of, what they actually did was they were taking excess golf balls, I believe from TaylorMade's manufacturer and that's where their golf balls came from. So they just took excess, put it through their distribution, doesn't require a lot of marketing and they can undercut these huge profit margins that the golf balls are seeing. So it's another example, I think of brand, uh, brand vulnerability that the that the uh internet distribution and the way uh kind of retail is evolving has created absolutely if you see business as something for the sake of the consumer it starts to put uh um, ashnet the parent company of titleist as the villain they have 11 patents here overall the company has filed for 2577 patents this is not what the patent system was intended for. They did not invent golf. They did not invent the golf ball. They just invented a way to charge customers $4 for a $1.25 product. And there are some pretty damning quotes in this article, right? Like, I think they had somebody who, I believe they used to work at Titleist or something. They said, every time they want to put a new dimple on the golf ball, they uh, they patent it. So, yeah, look, I, I think that's all interesting. The other uh, kind of side of the thing that was interesting is you started talking on the, uh, the out-of-stock situation. I thought that was really interesting. So, I think it can show the power of the scarcity in marketing, mm-hmm. right? Like Costco bought a couple of kind of overfills from TaylorMade's uh, supplier. Both the supplier and TaylorMade will not give Costco any more balls right now because they were very un- they were very uh, unhappy with Costco undercutting the the. Uh, the cost of golf balls, but I thought it showed the power of scarcity in the marketing, right? Costco sold a couple of really good balls at $1.25. Everyone went crazy. They're going online on eBay for $4. There's two Wall Street Journal front page articles talking about how good these articles, how good these golf balls are, right? And it kind of shows me the power of uh, scarcity in marketing and how good this is for the the Costco brand overall, right? Like now people are seeing front page of the Wall Street Journal, oh, Costco's $1.25 golf balls are as good as the $4 golf balls. How good is that for Costco's name? Like, that applies to everything that has the Costco, I guess it's the Kirkland brand now. People walk in, see it, and they're like, oh, it might be half off, but it's, it's Kirkland. Like, it's just as good for half the price. Great. It, and it's kind of interesting playing those other games where your brand applies to other things to me. Costco could be well served to just give away golf balls. It's a way to get men. It's a way to get higher socioeconomic mm-hmm. customers. Uh, you know, men actually buy more products for the first time at Costco than women for the first time. Women more frequently shopping have a specific plan that they stick to. Men have more things they bumble around and just pick up. And and people have said that's the issue with Costco. You get the membership and everything's so cheap and you're wandering around and they call it the Costco treasure hunt and people love that. Every time if you're ordering dinner and you get hummus, I think, don't buy hummus! I have like cornered the market (laughs) in hummus! So instead of, we have these incredibly low unit costs, but I have like 10-year supply of hummus, and uh, that's what happens at Costco. When I was in college, I had a Sam's Club membership, and I remember I'd go and be like, whoa, it's only 
me like five dollars for a tub of cookie dough like just a little roll will cost three dollars in a grocery store i need to get it but then you end up with a tub of cookie dough and nobody needs a tub of cookie dough unless they're like cooking for a giant party or something it's just not great for the waistline absolutely i I think one of the things you're seeing here uh is a lot of fictional accounts have you know the big bad company versus the little guy that has been the case in the past this company the parent company titleist has been suing everybody they've sued 10 small companies crushed them over golf ball dimples well the nice thing is is that this can be an adversarial system in a good way too now that you have costco showing up on the side of the customer of low prices of innovation uh they are going to be more than the titleist guys bargained for they were used to being able to push people around and having them quit or settle on favorable terms for titleist and costco has the size and the strength to fight and win yeah and look and this is something we've talked about with amazon too right amazon is introducing a lot of their own private label things now i i don't i haven't seen them like kind of stepping on anyone's toes with patents and everything but it's certainly an interesting question when you've got these things with very high margins consumer goods. You know, Nike and Under Armour come to mind. If uh, if Costco's brand or if Amazon's brand, if they're good enough and they signal good quality at half the price, like they've clearly got the distribution. Can they really cut into these big brand player margins? Uh, you know, I, I think something like a Coke is probably okay, though that is glorified sugar water. It might go away for a hundred different reasons. Coke's probably okay, but I think anything that's kind of above the $5 price point that people buy a lot of, uh, I, I think it could be in trouble. It's int- I'm not saying it is. I just think it could be. The, the last point I was going to add is that I think private label is fascinating to me as an investor and as a consumer. I'm interested in it. When you have massive scale, there's sometimes this problem with private label that it's very hard to price discriminate against people who'd be willing to pay more. And so you have situations like uh, Amazon batteries are a very good deal and mm-hmm. a very uh, fine quality. Um, I used to do some work for a major uh, let me keep this slightly ambiguous, multinational petrochemical company. And we had a lot of retail in the U.S. and tried to keep a lot of the advantages in premium gasoline. Mm-hmm. But after a while, discriminating against the other kind was more cost than it was worth. So we just put it in all of them. Uh, the uh, facility uh, that where the R&D was done had the lowest purchase of premium gasoline of any station in the country because none of the scientists were buying because <laughs> they knew it was all the same stuff other than a little octane. Uh, and I could get in trouble for saying that, so I just said it. Uh, but uh, I think that with private label, you have that situation, which is you might as well make it good. And if it's on a big enough scale, you can sell it for really low prices in a lot of categories that are fairly commoditized. Perfect, perfect. Could we move on to esports? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, esports. Uh, they are getting all the characteristic of sports all of a sudden. I've been really looking into this. Uh, teams, leagues, majors and minors, coaches, owners, even training in the gym. Uh, these esport uh, players, athletes, uh, perhaps uh, train to help with their reflexes and speed. And just like in sports, there's cheating now, uh, where there are stakes, not to mention very high stakes, uh, and humans. Uh, there's always cheating. Um, and if you want to see where the cheaters are, first go to the people who insist that there is no cheating. So, you know, the weightlifters who say, there is no steroids. Or, uh, uh, yeah, people, the steroid deniers is where if, you, if you're looking you to buy some rights, go to the people who insist that it doesn't exist in their sport. So they're probably at this point is steroids in esports, but I don't know for a fact if that's true. Uh, esports, uh, 
all of a sudden, uh, these aren't just children playing video games, uh, but they're divided into professionals and amateurs. And there are million dollar prizes right now and a lot of social cachet that goes with this. So, Andrew, uh, an interesting uh, topic and something we've both been reading about and thinking about. Uh, what do you think of this? I think you have more uh, sympathy for some of this. Thing. Well, so I, I think I would divide it into two places, right? Mm-hmm. So the Wall Street Journal article, it kind of mentions two different groups. There's the cheating in professional esports where, yeah. well, I don't condone cheating. I can understand, like, this is your livelihood. You're trying to build a reputation. You're trying to make money, all that. I can understand the cheating on that end, right? But then there's it also mentions people who are just, like, casual at-home gamers who are just logging on and cheating online and I just like I can't understand that I've never understood the appeal of like if you're playing Monopoly and playing as the bank and winning because you steal $5,000 from the bank like that wasn't a game that was a a rigged contest like I don't understand why you would even bother going online and spending that time to win something you guaranteed so let's put that aside but cheating in esports you know I 100% get it I understand some people look at esports and say like why would people do that like what's the appeal you know what's the appeal of watching other people play basketball what's the appeal of watching other people play football you know i think in the future uh esports is something that everyone can relate to everyone can compete on the same level uh i can certainly understand the appeal of watching these people and i i think the cheating as the prize pools get bigger and bigger i think the cheating and the issues are going to get bigger and bigger Kind of like with golf balls, it's a situation that's yep. adversarial. I, I was and I the think that thing. the adversarial aspect has more hope at getting to an equilibrium that is stable and attractive than does uh, uh, people taking offense and being overly worried about this. So you have people going on offense and cheating. Now you have a uh, online cheat software industry that's apparently three hundred and fifty to five hundred million dollars a year. Now you have this big defensive technology uh, industry, and so you go back and forth and you hit some equilibrium. I think that that's kind of reasonable and healthy. What's interesting to me in early sports and a lot of early, uh, you have all of these social customs and niceties. You know, in early tennis, it was thought to be not exactly cheating, but uncouth to hit the ball away from the other person. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to kind of hit sort of close, and after a while, somebody just realized they could hit it away. Uh, Dueling, it was thought to be very unmanly, ungentlemanly, to practice ahead of time. Uh, you know, I, I You're fighting Hamilton, for your life. But and, it's and I'm using Hamilton, I think there's two strategies around dueling. Either don't duel or be a good shot. And they <laughs> kind of went with the sucking at dueling and dueling a lot strategy that is a bad tactic. And so, yeah, you're, you're fighting for your life and you weren't supposed to practice ahead of time. Uh, and I think that the evolution uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, favors... Uh, a certain breakdown of absurd social niceties, and that's happening here as soon as you have high stakes. I want to come back to the defensive technology in a second, but let's uh, stay on there. You know, I do think it's interesting, you know, you're talking about the social niceties, but I I, I think it is interesting that... What's the line between cheating and a loophole? So this article mentions people taking advantages of glitches to get to areas where they're not supposed to be in these games, which to me, you know, if there's a glitch and you're not using outside software, that's a loophole. You know, loopholes, I don't think it's unfair to exploit loopholes, but it is interesting that in general, I've just found like the people who exploit loopholes, there tends to be a lot of high overlap with the people who also outright cheat. Like something that comes to mind is Bill Belichick, probably the greatest NFL coach of all time. 
is famous for finding little loopholes in the rules and exploiting them at the most opportune times to win big playoff games in the NFL. But he's also the guy who's famous for uh, def- maybe Deflategate, but Spygate was the big one, which was out-and-out out out cheating, breaking the rules, videotaping other people's practices. So it is kind of interesting the high corollary between there and what is a rule, what is breaking a rule, and what is a loophole, but that flies in the face of kind of the spirit of the game. You know, it, it, just very interesting question. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't have a takes advantage of glitches tattoo, but I would get the t-shirt if the t-shirt was available. I have very mixed feelings about this. You know, on one hand, the the stakes and the seriousness of this, it seems to me easily dismissed. I mean, this isn't something that has objective skill in the way historical sports have required strength and speed and dexterity. Um, But on the other hand... There is a, and, and I appreciate it. Okay, fine, you have to hit the button fast on it. Uh, but it's not much of a proxy for the real physical world. On the other hand, Hollywood is one of our biggest, most successful businesses. And so this is like watching a movie with live people. So this is a real uh, industry. Uh, there's a lot of, it's kind of market tested. There's a lot of demand. And so the idea that it has to have kind of constraints to make it work is fine, but where between not trying and flat cheating is that line drawn? Um, yeah, and, and look, I think it, I do think there is. There are some people who you say this is already a three hundred fifty to five hundred million industry fighting the cheaters. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that too big? It's interesting to think uh, daily fantasy betting or daily fantasy sports, I should say. The peak was kind of reached when two things happened. A, a lot of attorney generals started cracking down on them. But really the peak for consumers was when it broke that a lot of the insiders were using their inside knowledge to go and bet on other fantasy sites and kind of win and take other people's money. And when you start to think, oh, this game is rigged. I can only win if I'm cheating. Other people have have an edge that I can't get. So what's even the point of playing? That's awful for your industry. It Mm -hmm. stops new consumers. It's going to cause consumers to leave. And uh, you saw that in fantasy sports. That's clearly what they're trying to prevent here. And it has interesting parallels to kind of what the SEC does, where they try to assure that no one has any material non-public information or insider info when they're trading, right? Because if people believe other people have that, then nobody's going to want to trade in the stock market, and the stock market kind of dots a little bit. I think that uh, the casino industry is one where they've divided the line fairly well and I think this is what's going to end up happening with esports which is the negative side is when you have for example the casinos you're not allowed to have devices to help mm-hmm. measure uh, and calculate uh, something that is skillless and is considered to be cheating come down like a load of bricks on the other hand while the individual casinos can bar you uh, the law does tend to allow advantage play in a way that has some skill component. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting to me about that industry is not the 1% or so players that are true advantage players who are able to beat the casino or the 95% of players or so who are uh, lo- uh, playing a losing... I, I just playing say, to have fun. Play, they're they're playing to have fun. They understand they're giving their money away for the most part. but Non-advantage players. Yeah. But the... The, 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 the money pot are the 4% or so who really think they're advantage players but just do not have the skill set. And so they just you, – you cannot lose money faster in a casino than playing incorrect basic strategy and blackjack and think you're winning. And, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that you're going to end up having those dynamics here where there's some kind of for fun and games uh, advantage play 
glitch taking advantage of that they let slide, uh, but that involves enough difficulty that it's rare enough that the vast majority of people are playing on uh, sort of symmetrical terms. But I think there's a way to do that. Uh, but it's something that's uh, this big new, uh, uh, big new world out there. Great, great. Um, thank you very much. And all the time we have for today, uh, before we hit our disclosures, a reminder, if you have any feedback for us, please email it to us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. Uh, we, we get fun emails all the time, and, and it's great to hear from our listeners. So absolutely. definitely keep that up. Thank you for emailing us. Uh, no disclosures for me, Andrew? Nope, nothing. Thank you.